Welcome to another episode of This and That. I am your hostess, Christine Jobson. Thank you so much for tuning in for episode after episode as I continue to share my thoughts about a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And lately, This and That has included a lot of stories related to traumatic experiences within the Black community. I think that's the easiest way to put it at this point, but obviously there has been a lot going on in America and there have been protests all over the world, all over the country, and it has truly been an amazing sight to see. And this podcast, I thought when I was starting it, that it would be on the lighter side. Lots of jokes, you know, um, light musings on this and that. But honestly, because of what has been happening in this world, the show has taken on a, a bit of a heavier flavor, for lack of a better word. And so I don't... I'm not going to resist that. However, it is what it is because I did say at the beginning that this show would be an expression of my thoughts, my perspective as a black woman. And so lo and behold, so many things have happened that I've had to speak out about. So I've seen a couple other disturbing things and it, it has been a lot to kind of witness. Um, Apparently there was another incident that took place with the police two days before George Floyd's incident, if I'm not mistaken. And there was another incident that took place at an All Lives Matter protest. And rather than going into that, because quite honestly, when I saw the first incident, I, I had to just close that part of my browser. I just could not take in another story about another black man who didn't make it home safely or to prison safely um, because he was with the police. And somehow these things just continue to not end well. So Rather than talking about that, there is another issue that I have actually had to kind of open up and share. Well, I should say I didn't have to, but I decided to share some of my experiences. And apparently there is a hashtag on Twitter where a lot of other individuals have been sharing similar stories. So that hashtag was brought to my attention after I shared my story on Facebook. The hashtag is hashtag black in the ivory. And basically individuals use the hashtag to explain or to express some of the often covert racism that they experienced while in academia. And honestly, probably 
overt as well, um, depending on how you look at some of these stories. And I took the time to read some of those stories on Twitter. And one that stood out to me was, well, it, it wasn't actually a story. It was more so a commentary on some of the stories that had been presented. And this individual said something that kind of stuck with me. And he said that the funny thing is that the stories that are being shared are the stories that these individuals felt safe enough to share. And he basically said to let that sink in. The fact that the stories that we're hearing are not even like the bad stories, the stories that really kind of cut. These are the stories that were safe enough to share publicly. Um, and another individual remarked, you know, I'll share my stories after I get tenure in three to four years. Because the reality is some of these stories that are being shared could negatively affect the employment of the individuals who are who are sharing. So we still have to be mindful of that. Unfortunately, even though some of the things that I read were just truly ridiculous. Like one lady, one black lady who was dressed in, you know, professional attire showed up for her first day at work as a professor, presumably. And she got there early. And one of the individuals there tried to show her to the janitor's area. Why would you think a professionally dressed black woman is the janitor? I mean, how? And is it that far removed from that individual to to imagine that a black woman could possibly be a professor? Like, why did they assume that she was a janitor? Think about it. So anyway, this is what hashtag Black in the Ivory is all about. And I shared a story that I will share with you now. Uh, about an experience I had while completing my doctoral program. So while I was a student, um, I had a fairly good relationship, I thought, with my colleagues. I would even venture to say that I was friends with many of the individuals there. I was the only Black doctoral student in my department, which was fine, Um the program, though rigorous, was a, a, a pretty good experience. I made some good connections. I enjoyed the research I wrote about Florence Price, an African-American female composer, and I received great support from my professors, from my chairperson, the chair of my committee. I had lots of great support. I ended up recording an album of those Florence Price art songs. And it has just been great, you know? So all in all, I had a great experience. There were a couple of things that took place that were not so great, and here goes. So it was the end of the school year, the end of my last year there. Uh, myself and my colleagues, we were thrilled that we had reached the finish line. We were so excited that graduation was just around the corner. I mean, for those of you who have done graduate 
work and you've done all the research and the writing of these really serious research papers, dissertations, you know how stressful those experiences can be, as well as rewarding, you know? Um, but we were so close to being done and we were excited. So we decided to have a meal together, um, a last meal together, so to speak, because, you know, graduation's around the corner. We don't know what's going to happen next. So we decided to gather at one of the popular restaurants on campus to enjoy some good old junk food and to just chat and have conversation. So I met there with three of my colleagues. One of them had already graduated and the other two were waiting for graduation, just like I was. These were three white women, um, all of whom I assumed were my friends. And crazily enough, I still kind of think that perhaps there was some sort of friendship under there, but honestly, the situation left me confused. So here, here goes. So we're, we're eating, we're having a good time, and I don't know how the topic moved in this direction or how the subject of our conversation moved in this direction, but suddenly the topic was Christine is intimidating. And I was a little taken aback. So I said, what do you mean intimidating? Like, And the more outspoken one in the group said, yeah, you're scary. I said, scary? Like, you think I'm scary? So that person's personality is, you know, like I said, she, she was more on the outspoken side. So I thought, okay, maybe it's just her. Like, surely these other ladies don't think I'm scary. So I kind of like motioned and, and asked each one of them, like, do you think I'm scary? And one nodded and kind of looked down and I asked the other, do you think I'm scary too? And she also nodded and looked away a little bit embarrassed. And I thought, Everyone at this table thinks I'm scary? Like, what? And I felt like a warm gush of embarrassment just kind of come over my body. I, I felt so small and my mind went into overdrive. I was just sitting there thinking like, scary? Why do they think I'm scary? What did I do? What did I say to make them all think that I'm scary? Like all three of these individuals think that I am scary? Well, somehow I came back to myself and asked the more outspoken one, so what makes me so scary? And she said, well, you're always in the library and you dress well, and her voice kind of like trailed off. I mean, I, I guess my brain kind of like went into shock mode because I could not remember anything else she said. I couldn't hold on to anything else she was saying because it sounded to me as if she said that the reason I was scary was because I was in the library all the time and because I dressed professionally. What? This is crazy. But also, I felt so embarrassed 
embarrassed. Like I, I can't explain that feeling I had of just outright embarrassment to be sitting there and to have everyone that I'm sitting with to think that I'm scary. <sighs> so I stayed for the rest of the meal pretending to be okay. Um, I even went to get my nails done with one of them afterwards. All the while, I kind of wished that I could be alone and process what had happened, but instead I pretended to have a good time and I pretended that their words didn't hurt. And when I got home, I was finally able to kind of decompress because it didn't even hit me just how shocking that situation was until I got home and told my girls, like my girls, what happened. And I asked them, I was like, guys, do you think that, or do you find me intimidating or rude or even scary? Mind you, I was genuinely asking them. And I asked them like, do you think I should have behaved myself differently while I was in school? Like I, I'm usually so confident and you know, ready to take on the world. But in that moment, I was just questioning everything about myself. And so I, I left the, the, the question in a message to my friend, like a, a video message, and they responded with a resounding no. No, I didn't need to change myself. I didn't do anything wrong. I was never rude to my colleagues. And they also told me that real friends wouldn't try to get me to change in order to fit their needs. And that's when it hit me. My girls were right. I was fine the way I was. I spent hours in the music library because I loved it. And it was the perfect environment for me to study and get things done. You know, like what libraries are normally used for, studying. That's what I would do in there. I would study and do my work and prepare, you know? And, and I dressed well because I was not only a student, but I was a teaching assistant as well. And I've always wanted to present myself as a professional. So I did. I dressed like I was the teacher. And there were moments here and there where I dressed down, but why was I having to qualify that or have a reason to, to dress decently? What? That is ridiculous. And so, like a lot of Black people end up doing when they're in these environments, especially when they're the only Black person or person of color in their department, you spend the whole time trying not to offend people. And that's what I had been doing. I spent three years trying to dial down my blackness, trying to make sure I didn't offend people. And somehow I still had. I mean, three years of making sure that I was early, not just on time. I spent three years making sure that I wasn't just prepared, but overly prepared, ready for any questions at all times. I spent three years feeling that one wrong answer could be an indictment on my entire race because I was the only black person in our department. And why was I the only black person in our department? The only black student. Why is that the case? 
Why can't schools bring in more than one black person at a time? Is one the maximum amount? Can we have two? You know, like, maybe I would feel less alone if there was someone else there that looked like me. I don't know. I mean, I spent three years wondering if my hairstyles were too black. Three years wondering if switching from braids to an Afro would confuse people who didn't understand the versatility of black hair. I mean, three years of towing the line, three years of going after every additional opportunity, applying for and winning additional funding, three years of participating in competitions that I didn't have to participate in, three years. And, and, I became one of the first graduate student speakers at graduation. I won the Presser Award. I did this. I did that. I got a lead in the school opera. And yet, I was reduced to two words, intimidating and scary. Guys, I got to tell you that the next time I went on campus, I was on edge. I was one of the monitors for juries. So I had to greet students and collect their forms for the professors. And for those of you who don't know what juries are, basically juries are the final examinations or evaluations for performance classes. And so in our department, the voice department, I was one of the monitors to kind of make sure that things went smoothly for, for those examinations. Like I said, I was a teaching assistant. And so I was uncomfortable at this point because the last time I was here, Three of my colleagues, meaning three people at the doctoral level, which these departments are not large, three individuals told me that I was scary and intimidated. So I felt on edge. I plastered on a pleasant face, but internally I questioned everything I did. Am I doing the thing that makes me scary? Am I being aggressive? Do they think I'm intimidating too? I mean, this experience left a deep impression on me. It bothered me. I spent time talking to older black doctors in academia and other individuals who had experienced far worse. I talked to my family. I talked to my friends. They were probably sick of hearing me speak this story over and over, but I had to get it out. It bothered me. And wouldn't it have bothered you if three of your colleagues, yay, even friends, admitted to you one day at the end of your time together that you were scary and intimidated? Thankfully, I had those family and friends and, and colleagues and mentors that were able to encourage me and, and to actually share some of their stories of discrimination that they endured. And they were able to encourage me. I'm okay now. And this is my story. And sharing this story may cause me to lose some friends. It may cause me to lose some opportunities. However, if I can't speak out about this now, during this time in history, when people are speaking out about so many things, when will it ever be okay for me to speak out? I mean, I could tell other stories about my time there and in other places, but I don't want to share any more stories like this. What I want is for us to take a moment and to do some serious reflecting. Imagine what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes. 
I believe change starts when we share our stories, yes, but sharing these stories can be downright exhausting. I encourage you to read Whistling Vivaldi and Other Clues to How Stereotypes Affect Us by Claude M. Steele. It shines a bright light on this and other issues. That brings us to the end of our episode. Please stay tuned for a few messages. And thank you for listening. You guys, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. Have you been wearing a mask when you go out? It is important. Great news. I have masks for sale. If you visit my website, www.christinejobson.com, you can get one of my masks today. These masks are beautifully designed with these words, Black Girls Sing Opera. And you don't have to be a Black girl who sings opera to celebrate that we do. Get your mask today by visiting www.christinejobson.com and clicking on Christine's store. It's summertime and what in the world are we going to do to keep ourselves active and mentally stimulated while we stay at home as much as possible? Sure, the world is opening up, but we are spending a lot more time indoors than perhaps we normally would. Great news for you and your children. Dr. Jobson's virtual music classroom is open for business. In my music classroom, you can take classes in piano, voice, contemporary songwriting, and clarinet. And you can do this from the comfort of your home, no matter where you are in the world. You can sign up for virtual music classes today. All you have to do is send an email to christinejobsonmusic at gmail.com. Classes have been in session since the beginning of June. Things are going great. My students are learning, growing, and enjoying their instruments. Why don't you sign up today? That's all for now, folks. Bye-bye. Yeah.